Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. You've heard the rumors before, perhaps some whispers written between the lines of the textbooks. Conspiracies, paranormal events, all those things that disappear from the official explanations. Tune in and learn more of the stuff they don't want you to know in this video podcast from HowStuffWorks.com. everybody and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Pallette and I'm the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com and apparently I speak haltingly. Sitting across from me as usual is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there all you hepcats. Out of sight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm we not sure where that came from. We had a big philosophical discussion just a minute ago. Oh, that's true. Of course this episode may publish before that one so we won't go into any detail. Um, before we get started, I wanted to remind you, remember we were talking earlier about Pumpkin Destruction? Oh, yes, yes. Those so, yeah, two shows? Right. The Science Channel's showing uh, The Road to Pumpkin Chunkin and Pumpkin Chunkin on Thanksgiving night. Yeah, that's uh, November 26th here in the United States on uh, Science Channel. Yeah, starts at 8. 
then there's another one at nine. So those are the two shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to see these guys who build these amazing machines designed to shoot pumpkins a very far away before they explode. Yes, yes, it's it's lovely. I've actually watched shows like this in the past, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch those those guys uh, shoot a, uh, a an object that probably shouldn't be fired from a cannon and uh, watch it uh, burst on the ground. It's it's what you might call gorgeous. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, it all boils down to a message I received in listener mail. Now, this listener mail came from Mark from Phoenix, Arizona, and Mark wrote an incredibly long and wonderful listener listener mail to us. But it's so long and it covers so much ground that I tried to cut it back a little bit because it's just it's too unwieldy to start off an episode. So here's here's what's left. Greetings, Chris and Jonathan. I want to tell you how much I enjoy listening to your podcast as well as comment on several specific items. Excerpt. Your episode on Apple clones lacked a description of resources on the web, both for sale and open source, that are available to convert a PC into a Hackintosh. Never tried this myself yet, but I also have read several articles claiming success using OS X as a virtual machine when Parallels, Desktop, and VM Fusionware. But... Your mileage is sure to vary, as with any type of non-authorized, undefined use of any hardware, software, or firmware. He put that in all caps, so I thought I'd make it special. Another (laughs) definition of firmware you can consider is any code that begins execution on a system prior to the main operating system becoming active. Take it or leave it, but don't deny it also sounds pretty good. Once again, I love your podcasts and feel at times that you two have produced some of them just for me. To me, that is a sign of true technology evangelists. Please don't stop doing what you do until you at least talk about jailbreaking and why that could drive you crazy or worse. Sincerely, Mark from Phoenix, Arizona. So this isn't the jailbreaking episode. This is a long distance dedication. <laughs> yes. This one goes out to Mark. Mark, wherever you are, probably Phoenix, Arizona. We're making this, this one's just for you. Specifically for you. <laughs> um, so we wanted to talk about Hackintoshes. Uh, now, like Mark said, uh, ages back, back in April, in fact, I think, um, we had an episode called Apple Clones. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of talking about these computers that uh, were being made by a company called Systar. Still are, actually. You can still buy them. Yes, um, yes. And the company, what Systar was doing that was so unique was it was selling uh, hardware, PC hardware, that was running the Mac OS X operating system. Yep. Now, this is unusual because Apple likes their Mac OS X operating system to run on Apple computers and only Apple computers. That's right. Anything otherwise is a violation of the end user license agreement or EULA. Yeah. Now, EULAs, EULAs, by the way, are not law yet. So, um, so yeah, you, you are violating a license agreement if you try to install a, a an operating system or really when, whenever you're doing anything that violates a license agreement, you are not technically breaking the law in the United States um, yet. Yet. We have to say yet there, because there that could always change. Yes, there have been. So now in this case, the whole reason behind it is that Ma- Apple, they like to build a product from the ground up and control every aspect of that product possible. Right. I mean, everything. Yeah. So yeah, they're very, very uh, concerned about the whole user experience. Right. And of course, they don't build 
every piece of it. But no, they choose no. what processor goes in there, and they choose what, what video card goes go, in. Yeah, and, exactly, and all that stuff. Yeah. So when you're talking about that, then you you realize PCs are totally different. PCs, two PCs that are essentially the same amount of uh, like they have the same specs in general, could have completely different parts to them, completely right. different components from different manufacturers, and they could look totally different. You know, one PC may look. In, like, completely different from another PC that has essentially the same specs. Oh. Apple, they're going to be uniform. They're beautiful. They're efficient machines. Um, they do what what they were designed to do very well. Uh, but again, they're unless if you don't like that style, you're out of luck because that's all there is. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and and I would like to get into a little bit of the definition on hacking too, okay. sure. because uh, you know the word hacker sort of carries with it a, a negative connotation. Yes. I mean, people think of hackers as people who break into mainframe computers and steal social security numbers. Or and, state secrets. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, global thermonuclear war, that kind of thing. Shall we play a game? <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are other people who see hacking as something different. I mean, they, basically the whole uh, <laughs> O'Reilly community would see it as people who like to take things apart and mess with it. Yes, yeah, uh, And you works. can do things... For, yeah, see how it works, maybe improve upon it. Right. Uh, you know, maybe share that information with other people and, and, and try something new, you know, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, you might, you might think, Hey, I've got this device that does this one thing really well. I wish it could also do this other thing. And then you think, Hey, wait, if I take it apart and look and see how it works, I might be able to make it do this other thing. And then you build it back and you, you, you add in new functionality. That is hacking. It can be, it doesn't have to be a computer. It doesn't have to be a program. It doesn't have to be software. It can be anything really. And, um, a lot of the early hackers, that's what they were doing. They were taking software and saying, you know, the software is great, but I could really use a little more, uh, functionality. I need a couple of features that aren't found in this. Mm-hmm. I'll just build in some lines of code, add it into this, uh, this program and it'll suddenly do the things I needed to do. It may not look pretty. It may not be, uh, uh, it may not be elegant. <laughs> so you might be a code monkey and uh, your code is not functional or elegant. Oh, nice. Um, nice to drop that in there. Yeah. Uh, I love Jonathan Colton. Um, if you're listening, Jonathan, we're fans. Yeah, big fans. Um, I'll be seeing you in Atlanta in January. Uh, so anyway, the the whole the whole idea here is that, yeah, these guys are not – they're not – they don't have any you know, like ulterior motives. They're not trying to – um, bring down the system or anything like that. They're curious to know how something works. They may want to improve upon it and they may want to use it in a way that the person who created it had not either thought of or intended. Yeah. And, and a lot of people in the hacker community would take, uh, shall we say umbrage at the use of the word hacker to describe, you know, these, uh, folks who are up to no good, like prefer that we use the word cracker for right. those who are trying to break in, uh, to, you know, the uh, entire country of Moldova and trash their water system or whatever. Right. We have some bad news for you guys, though. The AP Stylebook says, no way, everybody's a hacker. Yeah. So, sorry, uh, we have to follow AP Stylebook rules. That's that's our style yeah. guide. Yeah. So, sorry. so for us, now from now on, a hacker is a hacker is a hacker. But that's um, the thing is, there, there are, 
everybody who's a hacker is hacking, whether right. they're using it for good or for evil. Well, you know, it's just like Wizard of Oz. Are you a good witch or are you a bad witch? Exactly. Same thing. Or a sandwich. So let's go on to talking specifically about the Hackintosh, now that we've talked all around the hacker thing. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to, to clarify that because, uh, you know, you might associate this with doing something illegal, and it's not. It sort of depends on how you go about it, and it's defi- there's it's different shades the- of gray, from the light gray to the very, very, very dark gray. Right. It's on the fringe, definitely. <laughs> oh, definitely. Now, let me ask you this question. Uh, okay. Why would someone want to build a Hackintosh? You know, I can give you a specific example of why someone would want to build a Hackintosh. Hit me, baby, one more time. Um, Steve Jobs does not believe that Apple can affordably produce a netbook. Oh, so it might it might behoove someone to prove Steve Jobs wrong by taking a netbook, stripping it of its operating system, and installing OS X. That's right. And then you would have a very small, very portable, very affordable machine running the Mac operating system. Yes, and that's and that's more often than not in the past probably year. That's the way I've seen Macintoshes come about is because somebody wants a very affordable netbook that runs OS X. And uh, Apple, for the, for the record, I, I still have a 12-inch PowerBook, uh, yeah. which is an older PowerPC uh, Macintosh. And I still get comments like, wow, that's a really small Mac. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Well, they don't make it anymore. They don't make a 12-inch. Right, anymore. right. Um, so, so that's, that's about the closest was, you can get. And that's it was actually, never really affordable. It depends on how you define, define affordable. affordable. All right. Well, let me let me also go ahead and get this out of the way because I don't want tons of people writing me. Yeah. Um, when we talk about price points and people often will say that the Mac computers are more expensive than PC computers. Okay. Well, in general, yeah, that's true. You look at the Mac computers, they have a specific range and it's essentially if take the Mac mini out of the the equation. Right. Okay? So you're just looking at the laptops to desktops. You're looking at a thousand to around two thousand dollars. Or your, for most of your base computers, right? Right. So that's a, you know, that's fairly expensive. You don't find anything below a thousand dollars besides the Mac Mini, which is just the, the, really just the basic, basic part of a computer and you have to buy everything else around it anyway. Right. Um, whereas with a PC, you can look at PCs and like, hey, look, this store is running a thing where I can get this PC for 400 bucks. What's the difference? The difference is in performance. Macs, the reason why Macs are so expensive, there are a couple of different reasons. One is, yes, you are paying the Apple tax. Yes. That Apple computers are more expensive than uh, a PC that runs the same kind of, like the same powerful, same amount of power, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to say. Like the, the processor is is similar. The the amount of storage space is similar. The amount of RAM is similar. Right. If you if you if you look at the guts of the machine, yeah, the stuff that's not. I mean, you take everything outside the case and you get a similar processor and a similar hard drive and a similar graphics processor and sound card. You're you're going. I mean, the components themselves, the stuff that's inside the box, will is, be. It'll be a little cheaper. Is yeah, but not not as much as what a lot of people think. Really, I mean, if you get the quality of of um, components that Apple uses in their 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 machines, it's real. You're not really going to save a ton of money by building the equivalent PC version. You will save some, yeah. but not. Not as much as what a lot of, I think a lot of people just imagine like, oh, there's like a $500 markup immediately on Apple products. That's just simply not true. No, not, not, not that way. But there is, Apple can demand a, uh, you know, a little bit more cachet and they can, yeah. they can charge a little bit more for their products. Yeah, but it's, it's not, uh, you know, completely unwarranted. They generally do 
get a little bit better components. But let's, and the, you know, the Dells and the HPs of the world that use those same components are cheaper, but not as cheap as say an e-machine. Right, right. You know, Which that you might running, get at four hundred dollars at at you know your local. But it's also running a less store. powerful processor. Exactly. It doesn't have as much memory. Doesn't have as much hard drive space. Which is the um, thing about netbooks in general. Right. They are you know they use less powerful processors and they're so, smaller. So really a Hackintosh is going to be attractive to someone who wants a computer running the Macintosh operating system. They do not need it to be as powerful as Apple has made their computers. Not in general. So, well, let, well, let's just say like I want to, let's say I want to run stuff on the Mac OS, but I don't really have it in my budget to buy the cheapest of the, the iMacs, let's say. So okay. I want a desktop computer. And you don't want a Mac mini? I don't want a Mac Mini. Okay. Let's say that I don't want a Mac Mini, which is around what six hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars. I think like so. That. I honestly um, haven't looked. I will look. Oh, right, you, you look while I talk. So uh, I don't. I can't afford the lowest level iMac. Let's say, and I want. Um, I want a desktop computer. It does not have to be as powerful as the iMac, but I want it running the operating system. I don't have any options besides the Mac Mini, which is five ninety nine as of this recording. Six hundred dollars. There you go. That's what I thought it was, but. Um, I wasn't wasn't I'm entirely just sure. Hedging bets. So, uh, but keeping that in mind, then I would, you know, I'm I'm going out. I'm buying like a cheaper desktop. I'm putting the uh, the Mac OS on it. What do I need to do in order to do that? Okay, here's the thing. Okay. The Mac OS is built for a very specific hardware and BIOS configuration. Yes, I mean, if you if you are in control of the entire, you know. Theoretically, in the entire line of computers, you know specifically what processors you have used in the past yeah. and what it should run on. Like Microsoft really has a much more difficult That's, job because yeah. they have to build an operating system that can work on a huge variety of hardware. We're talking about different kinds of processors, motherboards, RAM, hard drive space, I mean, uh, video cards. It has to be able to support all this different stuff. Now, Apple, the OS only has to support a, a limited number of components because that's all Apple will use. Yeah. Now, even within a line of iMacs, uh, depending on when you get one, the components may not be exactly the same because Apple, like other companies, is going to purchase their uh, equipment in places where it makes the most sense. So if, right. if one person, if one company creates a motherboard that is, that the OS, um, supports and that's the cheapest one in the market, that's where they're going to go. But if another company starts to undercut the first one and the OS also supports that motherboard configuration, you can bet that Apple's going to switch. So there are still a range of pieces of equipment that you can find in the, uh, Macintosh line, but it's a much much more narrow range. Right, right. So if you want to build a PC that runs Mac OS reliably, that means that you have to make sure that the components you pick are among those that the OS supports. Otherwise, you will have problems getting your hardware to interact with your operating system. And that's going to be tricky, especially with uh, stuff like the netbooks, because the netbooks use and often use processors that were not part of the uh, the Apple line. Yeah, it's actually a lot easier to build a desktop than it would be to buy a netbook or laptop and strip it of its operating system and put in a new one. Yeah. Um, what you can do if you wanted to to buy or if you wanted to build your own computer, you would buy the the components individually, including the case. So you're talking about everything from the power source to the fan to the uh, motherboard to RAM to hard drive to disk drives. 
all of that stuff needs to be purchased and you need to, to look and see what the Mac OS supports. Uh, I will tell you right now, the, the source that I found that I think gives the most, um, thorough walkthrough of building a Hackintosh is Lifehacker. Ah, uh, yes. Lifehacker gives a great rundown from beginning to end on how to build a Hackintosh. Uh, they even link out to other, um, other really, really in-depth articles about building your own computer. So if you've never built a computer before and the language in that article is a little difficult for you to understand because you're just not familiar with the terminology, you can actually go to their earlier articles and see, you know, you can build from the ground up. Okay. So it's nice because it doesn't, it's, it's accessible. Right. All right. Well, Let's talk about what you would actually need to do if you were going to do. I mean, you know, in a nutshell, that if sure. you're going to do it at that level, you're really going to go forward with it. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't follow the instructions we're going to lay out. I think we're just going to talk about the high end. Yeah, we're going to talk what, about you know, in general picture. generalities. So, but, so you have a you have a PC. Maybe mm-hmm. you built it. Maybe it's a, a netbook that you want to run OS sure. 10 on. How are you going to convince it that it's a Macintosh? The first thing you're going to have to do is probably, well, as far as I'm concerned, is tweak your BIOS. Yeah. Now, the BIOS is this layer of programming that interacts between your operating system and your computer's hardware. Right. The BIOS has to be able to operate in such a way that it can convince the operating system that the underlying hardware is, in fact, a Macintosh. Mm -hmm. So um, you need to find a set of directions, and there are many out there on the web, that tell you how to tweak your BIOS in such a way so that it is compatible with the Mac OS. Because just plugging the Mac OS DVD into your PC and then trying to to install the the operating system, that's not going to work. Right. You can't just do a clean install like that. Right, right. And I can tell you from personal experience that this right right here is going to keep a lot of people from doing – from trying this. Because um, I installed a copy of Ubuntu – uh, Johnny Jackalope on uh, an old PC that I had, and uh, this is this is a version of Linux for those of you who aren't in the know. Um, now the Linux community is much different because in this case um, I have had difficulty finding a driver for the monitor that I have, so I can't. I'm having trouble changing the resolution of the monitor and making the most of the size that I have hooked up to the PC. Mm-hmm. The thing, the difference here is. Eventually, the Linux community, somebody might write a driver for that because right. it's an open source operating system and there are thousands and thousands of people messing with it and tinkering with it and hacking it every day. Now, in Apple's case, if I'm trying to do this with a Hackintosh and I can't get a particular piece of hardware to work, then nobody's going to be writing a driver for it Yeah, because Apple's not supporting it. And the only way you're out of luck. And I can tell you from, you know, the amount of frustration I've had with just that one little thing where actually Mm -hmm. somebody might take a look at it for real. You know, if I were going to try to do this and it didn't work right off the bat, I would probably go, well, the chances of coming around this obstacle are pretty, you know, pretty low. So that's why I would go with building a computer versus buying one and hoping that everything's going to work out. Because at least when you buy all the components, especially if someone's already done this before, then at least you have the, you know, you have, you have something to fall back on saying, well, it worked in this case, so it should work when I do it as long as I do everything correctly. Right. Uh, when you're using a different set of hardware, there's no way to predict that. Right. So, um, and, and the only other thing you can hope is that the next generation of Apple products actually uses whatever hardware you is no longer is, isn't recognized by your uh, operating system and that they patch it, which is, 
the chances are minuscule. But it's easy if you're, it would be far easier to build a Hackintosh if you were going to take the components themselves yes. off the store shelf and yes. go, I know they use this. I know they use that. I'm pretty sure they have one of those in an iMac. You could put it together and probably get it to work without too awfully much difficulty, I would imagine. Yeah, you'd have because to. Because it would, it would know what those things were. Usually you're going to have to rip the, the, uh, operating system software onto another disk. Uh, the life hacker suggests that you buy your copy of the operating system. So you're not just stealing it. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's how Psystar Sci- is making its case. Yeah, because they have, they're they've buying legitimate yes. uh, copies of the operating system. Uh, it's just that Apple says that it's a violation of the end user license agreement to use it on a machine that is not technically a Macintosh. Right. So Psystar, what they are doing is they're doing exactly what I'm describing, except they're doing it on a wider scale. They're doing it in a mass production kind of way. Yeah. I guess not really mass production because I doubt that they're making that many of them right now. Well, I mean, it's more than just one or two. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a company that's, that's taking this process and, are, and is, you know, kind of putting a, a streamlined effect into into place. And so what they're doing is they're installing this operating system on uh, a set of PC hardware that is as close to what the Mac hardware does as possible. Um, and there are three different tiers that you can buy uh, for the, the Psystar models. And um, Psystar also offers, they, they just started offering it, uh, a trial version anyway, a set of <laughs> software called Rebel. Yes, that, that would be Rebel EFI. Yeah. And the EFI is, uh, actually short for, um, oh, I had it down here. Where is it? I, I honestly don't know the answer to this because oh, I didn't man, have it as I totally EFI. wrote it down. Where is it? Uh, anyway, it's a, um, <laughs> it, the EFI is basically a piece of code that defines, uh, the, basically the different, the communication between an operating system and the platform firmware. And gotcha. so they're tr- they're basically fooling the computer into to or actually fooling the operating system into believing that it's running on a Macintosh. So in other words, you could run this software to install Mac OS on any computer. So like you know, Chris was talking about the netbooks. This would be one way to get the Mac OS onto a netbook, assuming the netbook was capable of running the operating system if it was powerful enough. Uh, but as uh, Cystar points out, there's no guarantee that all of your hardware, all of your drivers are going to be compatible with the Mac OS. It is supposed to try and fool the OS as much as possible into thinking it's on an Apple machine. But that does not mean that everything's going to work. Like you might suddenly realize that your touchpad doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people who have uh, netbooks, netbook Hackintoshes, have had trouble with stuff just cutting out on them yeah. and crashing. It's been unreliable. Yeah, so I mean, buyer beware. I mean, not not completely, but you know, it it happens from time to time. It's, they it's say not it's necessarily going to be as reliable as again building your own machine. But of course, building building a netbook is pretty much. I mean, I guess you could take that on, but it would probably be more expensive than just going out and buying one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the kind of thing that I would imagine the the support costs. Even if you were the one supporting it, it would be kind of irritating. It would be. You'd be better off getting a you know a machine that worked for you with some operating system that you were comfortable with. Right. So the 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 trial version of Rebel, just so you guys know, it is very limited. It has a two hour runtime, and after that, it it deactivates. And they also very they make it very clear that they do not uh, they are not to be held responsible for any data lost during the process. Yeah, and that that goes back to our. Always back up your hard drive. Yes. By the way, uh, EFI is short for Extensible Firmware Interface. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. So it, it gotcha. is the, the interface between the firmware and the, the hardware. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right, so 
we've defined Hackintosh. We kind of gave people, you know, say go to Lifehacker if you really want to take this on. It's an interesting project. I don't know that I would necessarily take it on. I've already got a, a Mac and I'm happy with it. And yeah. I, I, you know, I, I was, it comes down to if you're willing to put in the work. Um, and the money really is a big deal. The life hacker machine that is described is $800. Okay. Um, the little fudging there. It was 800 after some rebates. Total, it was, I think, 850. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's still cheaper than any iMac you're going to find. It's not as, it's more expensive than the Mac mini, but then again, with the Mac mini, you've got to buy other stuff too. So right. if you already have monitors or whatever that are going to work with this, uh, then you'll save money that way. Yeah, and then there's the the joy of hacking, which a lot of people, you know, if you you're interested in having it as a project, I mean that's sort of a different animal. But yeah, you know, for me, I'm uh, I'm not at that level. I'm more of an enthusiast for technology, so I would prefer that if I were using a Macintosh or Windows or Linux machine, that in general it would run pretty well. You know, yeah, and I kind of like I don't, wanna, I kinda like I don't it mind when my tinkering with stuff, works. but I would prefer it to work more than it doesn't. Yeah, I'm um, right there with you. That and I, you know, the the gray area. It just kind of makes me nervous. Well, whenever I think about building on, uh, taking on a project like this, like I, I've thought about it a, a few different projects like this, and I really think like, ooh, that might be really neat to tackle. What if I really, you know, tried this out? Um, I look back to uh, the things I built in woodshop class uh, back when I was in high school and how they are completely unidentifiable from what they are supposed to be, and I think, hmm, this might not be for me. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it's it's funny because I just don't uh, – I don't know. It seems like it would be an awful lot of trouble unless you were specifically you know, doing it just to see what breaks and what doesn't. Agreed. Um, and I'm, I think we should mention too the dark gray part of the gray area. Sure. Which is the cracked version. There is another way to do this, which is with an actual cracked version of the operating system. Yeah. And in this case – you're violating more than the end user license. Yeah, because you're essentially stealing a, a copy of the operating system. Yes, that is not a legitimate could, copy. Of I the guess you could system. argue, hey, what if I went out and bought a copy of the operating system and never used it and then just <laughs> downloaded it? But even so, you're still stealing a copy. Yeah, and then you're going to have to prove that. Uh, yeah, I, I we're talking know. about just seems like a, the, the realm of BitTorrent here is what we're talking about. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's definitely farther than I'm personally willing to go. In yeah. That I should also point out that I misspoke a second ago before everyone writes in and tells me that uh, the AFI is not the uh, interface between the hardware and the firmware. It is, in fact, the interface between the software and the firmware. Okay. I was wondering because I was thinking yeah, that I said it wrong. I was thinking that somebody's firmware between hard, software between firmware and hardware. I was like, wow, that's a yeah, that's yeah, a new that, level that I'm not even familiar with. Yeah, that would be a wrong level. Oh, gotcha. So, uh, gotcha. yeah, I was completely wrong. It is between the software and the firmware. Okay. So I hope you didn't pause the podcast and then type no, furiously somebody, to us. Somebody will have done that. Yeah, we'll see it. And, and, and don't think you're funny if you listen to the whole thing and then you pretended like you paused it and then you wrote in. We can tell. <laughs> Cause we're that darn good. Um, I am, uh, I'm worn out with Hackintoshes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It is, it seems like it would be a, a kind of an interesting project, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, it applies to a niche audience, but you might hear people talking about it and, uh, maybe it'll inspire Apple to come up with a, a small, uh, something or Relatively other. Relatively inexpensive portable device like a tablet. I didn't say tablet. Yeah. Could. We're yeah, fueling right. the rumors once again. I think really what it comes down to is, uh, if you want the Mac OS that badly, then go ahead and put some money into investing into an uh, Apple computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and if uh, you want to do things that are useful, like play games or productivity software, just stick with the Windows machine. 
I'm totally Seriously, kidding. people I'm totally are going to write about that. I don't have an anti-Mac bias, honestly. All right, I'm done. Are you done? I am. I'm so done. Let us move on to our second round of listener mail. This comes from David in London, the United Kingdom, and I'm too tired to do a fake accent. So here we go. Hey guys, great show as ever. Something pretty important you didn't mention is where the Zune is sold, e.g. only in the United States. Why? Surely a big partner to uptake with when Apple sells their kit globally. Barrier. Barrier to uptake. That's what I get for game. I'm trying to read through the mic screen. Crazy. Keep up the great work. David in London. Um, yeah, so the Zoom, it is av- available in a very limited geographic range. It, that is definitely a, another, uh, another barrier to Microsoft's success. Yeah. Um, can't really answer why, cause I don't know the reason. It may have something to do with, uh, licensing. I have no idea. Yeah, actually that, that makes a lot of sense. So I don't know. maybe I we'll heard. look into that. That might actually be another good podcast is talking about why certain things are available in some countries and not in others. Besides the, the content stuff like Hulu or BBC where it's clearly right. a, a licensing issue as right. far as content goes. Yeah, that might be a fun one to do. So we'll look into that. Okay. So thanks a lot, David. If any of you have any questions or comments or suggestions, you can write us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Uh, remember, we do have our live show every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern. You can check that out at our blogs. Just go to HowStuffWorks.com. Look on the right-hand side. You will see links to the blogs there. Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free... Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, 
how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 